The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. There's two men who are mentors to me in my life, and I've met them more recently in my life, probably within the past couple of years. The first is a pastor named Chuck, and I've had the privilege of spending a lot of time with Chuck. And Chuck's one of those guys that when I met him, right when I met him, I said, I want what Chuck has. And what Chuck has is this ability that when he feels something, his heart will come out on his sleeve and in his face. He will cry very quickly. His heart, when it's moved, will be brought to tears very quickly. And I was like, I want what Chuck has. But there's another man that I met this past couple of years. His name is Bob. And Bob was leading a conference on prayer. And as Bob was leading this conference, Bob would talk. And as he would talk, he would just... (laughs) He would start laughing. And Bruce, yeah, I would make that face like, that's kind of creepy. He's laughing a lot. But what what Bob would laugh at would be the amazing, marvelous, mind-blowing things of God. He would just laugh and laugh. And it wasn't a show. It wasn't performance. It was coming out of a spirit-led place. He would laugh. And when he would talk about his own sin and his own failings, he would laugh. And I said, I want what Bob has. Because isn't that what we've been celebrating? On Good Friday, we've been celebrating what we saw in Chuck. Tears and grief over sin and over death. And things not being as they should be. And today on Easter Sunday, we laugh and we rejoice in what Christ has done that was completely mind-blowing. But one of the expressions that we use, which is somewhat confusing to us sometimes, about laughter is this. It's the expression, he had the last laugh. What does that mean? The last laugh. For someone to have the last laugh. Well, that means that someone has conquered something. Has experienced the satisfaction of ultimate triumph. It's when the underdog finally wins. After years and years of being brought down. It's when the abuse victim finally has justice brought to them. It's when the person who's waited years and years to find a spouse, maybe, finally has their day. The last laugh. The satisfaction of ultimate triumph, especially, especially after being hated or going through difficulty or thought of fool. Today is Easter Sunday. It is the first of the last laugh God will have over sin and death. We come into worship this morning after leaving the darkness of Jesus' death on Friday with the satisfaction of ultimate triumph on Sunday. He is risen, I shout and I laugh, and you say, He is risen indeed, the first of the last laugh. But here's the reality. We live in the in-between of Jesus' resurrection and the rest of humanity's not yet being resurrected. And when we live in that in-between, our faith can experience a test. 
a test of our limitations. Where we want to see God have the last laugh. But we're crying. Where we want to know the last laugh is coming, but we are so confused what you are doing right now. Where we want to believe the last laugh is a real thing, but we feel helpless and hopeless. Faith is what comes in here. Faith is waiting and trusting. There is a last laugh when right now you are not laughing. That's when faith in Jesus is true faith. We want faith to be easy. We want faith to be right now. We want faith in what God is doing to make complete sense, don't we? But if faith were any of those things, easy, right now, fully understood, friends, it wouldn't be faith. Faith is believing that Jesus has the last laugh over death when everything around us is saying, no, he doesn't. Today, as we celebrate the first of the last laugh Easter, we encounter a story in the Gospel of Mark in which we see Jesus predicting his last laugh over death when everything around him is saying no. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. There came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. Having spent all she had, she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. 
But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is God's word. So how do we see Jesus predicting his last laugh over death when everything around him is saying no? First, we see Jesus has the last laugh over anyone who says to him, that's too hard. This is verses 21 to 24. And in it, Jesus has just returned from a too hard situation. Jesus has just calmed a storm. (laughs) Jesus has just calmed a storm with his words. Jesus has just cast 2,000 unclean spirits out of a man (laughs) and sent them into a herd of unclean pigs. Jesus has just started a church planting movement through a formerly demon-possessed man in a region that demanded Jesus get out. All of that just happened. I wonder what the boat ride back looked like for the disciples. What were they thinking? What were they saying? What were they asking? And as they made their way back to the shore of Galilee, what instantly surrounds them in verse 21? The crowds. As we've talked about in the Gospel of Mark, the crowds are often portrayed as impediments to faith. They make faith hard. Why? Because they want Jesus on their own terms. They want to use Jesus to get an easy fix to their health problems or their government problems. But there's no faith in the crowds in Jesus. They don't want to give Jesus their sin or their lives. They just want to use him. But... Beelining his way through the swarming crowd is this man named Jairus. Jairus is a respected Jewish leader. And he falls at Jesus' feet. His daughter is in critical condition. There is not much time. She'll probably be dead very soon. She's almost a P&B, Ernie. Jesus' hands, Jairus believes has the power to make her well. But the hard part will be getting Jesus there in time because of all these crowds. Jesus responds to the request of Jairus, but look at verse 24. It's important to pay attention to. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. What does that mean? It means Jesus can hardly move. A few chapters earlier, he was almost crushed by the crowd. They're like a mob or a riot shouting, feed me, feed me, Jesus. These crowds make faith hard. But Jairus, Jairus believed that Jesus was his last hope. And so he pushed his way through the too hard current of the crowd to get to Jesus with his request. On our vacation a few weeks ago, We spent a day, surprise, surprise, the Bodwins spent a day at a water park. 
And one of our favorite rides at this water park, Aquatica, was the Walking Lazy River. I've not been on one of these before, but basically what it is, is you popped on a life jacket and you waded your way into this strong current of a river along with hundreds of other people and you just put your feet up and just floated down the river quickly. It was really relaxing. It was warm water. You're just floating along. Very peaceful, very relaxing, unless you lose sight of your seven-year-old. As a parent in a large, crowded place like this, you keep a steady eye on your kids. And I did my quick three-head count and couldn't find Charlie. My heart sank, and I ran up against the current to find his older brothers. I'm like, where's Char? And they look at me, we don't know. Uh, I think he might be up ahead somewhere, but I could see at least 200 feet ahead of me and no Charlie. And so the current just became hard as I ran to try and see where my son was. People were splashing and playing and have a great time. And I was trying to find my son and I was losing ground and there was no sight of him for what felt like forever. You see the dark places your mind goes when your son is missing in a crowd of people. It was hard, but I was not going to give up until I saw his little head bobbing in that sea of people around me. Friends, faith is not lazy. It involves pushing our way to Jesus like Jairus against the current of the crowd. It's hard, but it's not too hard. Beelining through the loud noise of the crowd, pushing against the current of our culture because Jesus has what no one else can offer them, healing in his hands. This past year was a river, a current of loud posts, of loud politicians, of loud physicians telling us what can and will heal us from death. But they all failed us in some way. And I'm sure Jairus wondered, this is too hard as he's beelining his way to Jesus, whether he would actually get to the Lord or reach an audience with him. But when we make our way to him, pushing through the noise of culture, what happens? What happens? He hears us. He responds to us. Jesus leaves the shore to push through the crowd to help this man in his need, demonstrating how much Jairus was valuable to him. It's hard sometimes to get to Jesus, but the faith to push through is part of believing. It's not too hard for Jesus to make a way. Some applications. Maybe you're wanting to give in to the culture's current uh, stream when it comes to certain sin like same-sex attraction or sexual temptation outside of marriage. As the culture says, you know what? Don't fight that hard fight anymore. Just embrace it. No, friends, your sin is not too hard for Jesus to help you. Maybe you're wanting to just give up on spending time with Christ. As the hard winds blow, playing video games or binging on Netflix, that is so much easier. No, friends, he's waiting at the door for you to allow him to speak to you. Maybe you're wanting to give yourself over to something you can see, like your job or your family or your hobbies. The current of our culture says you can't see God, so just devote more of your time to what you can see. 
No, friends. Ask God to show you evidence of him being real, even if your eyes can't see it. Jesus is there on the shore. He's surrounded by a lot of noise, but faith believes he's there and waiting to respond to us. Faith believes that as hard as it is to push through the crowd, he is the only one who has the last laugh over every tragic thing we face in the world. Make your way to him. He lives to help you. He lives to intercede for you. There's nothing too hard for him. The second thing Jesus has the last laugh over is not just it's too hard, but it's too late. Look with me at verses 35 to 40. Mark stops the processional to Jairus' house to sandwich in the middle a healing of a woman whom we met in our service on Good Friday, who believed Jesus could heal her with just a touch of his clothes. And Jesus, as he's making his way through the crowd, stops in his tracks and makes sure to find her to address her and declare her forgiven and healed. But if I were Jairus, And my daughter were dying. And Jesus stopped in his tracks. There might be some bitterness going on in him. As Jesus in the midst of calling this woman who's healed daughter. He's got to be going, come on, let's go, let's go. And then as Jesus is declaring this to this woman, what does he find out? His worst fears are realized. He finds out his daughter is dead. If that lady wouldn't have stopped him in his tracks, maybe my daughter could be alive. Too late, he weeps. But Jesus overhears the conversation and has the last laugh over a too late message. He locks eyes with Jairus and he says, Do not fear, only believe. It's never too late with me, says Jesus. Jairus had to become like the woman kneeling before Jesus to see that Jesus could reverse a death sentence. To throw out conventional wisdom and beg the mercy of Jesus, even though his daughter was flatlined. As most of you know, I have the privilege of being a chaplain to the men and women of our city's fire department. And recently, a firefighter was telling me a story about a recent fire which affected him pretty deeply. And when a firefighter shares that something affected him pretty deeply, guess what I do? I lean in. I lean in. What was that about? Well, they received a call that a young child, probably around 12 years old, was trapped in his room after there was a fire that began in his room. And the firefighter was describing watching his family standing outside the blaze as the smoke came out of the boy's window. Just grieving, weeping at the loss of their loved one, weeping and wailing, it's too late, he's gone. And he said, it was so hard to watch them stand there and know what was happening up in that room. But the amazing thing about the story is that as the firefighters were working tirelessly to rescue the boy from this room, believing by the size of the blaze and the smoke that it was probably too late, word arrived to them that the boy was not there. He had gotten out. It wasn't too late. 
And the family's tears turn from grief to joy. Friends, this is what Jesus is saying to Jairus. Your daughter is going to be okay. We're not too late. Jesus doesn't want Jairus to just grin and bear it. No, Jesus wants Jairus to believe, believe by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. That he's the resurrection and the life and he means it. It's not too late for Jesus to help her and help him. Are you fearing the worst anxious one could happen in your life? Is there something in your life right now that you're just like dreading and fearing? Then remember the worst thing that happened to Jesus, a horrific, suffocating death on a cross, became the best thing for humanity. Whatever you are fearing, anxious one, whatever your worst fear is, Jesus has the last laugh in the face of it. The professional mourners, they're mocking and they're laughing at Jesus saying, he's crazy. He thinks the child is sleeping, not dead. Why are they doing that? Because resurrection to most of us seems absurd. Many of us believe even here that death is the final word. But Jesus has the last laugh over too late. Believe with Christ. There is no too hard for him. And there's never too late for him. And lastly, there's never too good to be true with him. As Jesus has the last laugh over it's too good to be true. Look at the last few verses, 40 to 43. Jesus clears away the crowd. He clears the professional grievers away from the room. And he brings into the dead girl's room only the father, the mother, and the inner three disciples. Why? Because what they are about to see appears too good to be true. Anyone who doesn't have faith in Jesus cannot believe in resurrection. And the crowds and the mourners are kept out of seeing this miracle. As he takes the unclean, lifeless hand of the girl and says in Aramaic, Talitha kumi, which means little lamb. Little lamb, get up. And in a word, she gets up and walks and eats full and total restoration. What was dead is now alive with a word of Jesus' power. And the witnesses, they're overcome with astonishment. Mouths open, gaping open. What seemed too good to be true was standing right in front of them. Not just the girl being alive, but Jesus, who was the one who brought her back to life. The only reason, friends, this was possible was because Jesus' lifeless body heard the words of his Father through the Holy Spirit three days after his death saying, Lamb of God, arise. We may not fully grasp the how of resurrection. It needs to blow our minds. It's a mystery. But that doesn't mean we can't believe it too good to be true. As one of my favorite artists sings, it may be too good to be understood, but it's not too good to be true. Jesus, even when everyone believed all hope was lost, that it was too hard, too late, too good to be true, Jesus has the last laugh, the triumphant victory over death. And the only people who would be allowed to see his resurrected self were those who had faith in him. No crowd saw Jesus after his resurrection. It was only a sight for those who would believe. 
Because we believe that Jesus has the last laugh over death, we can believe that those who are no longer here on this earth, who we loved, who have died believing in Christ, we can believe we will see them again. We can believe in the good truth that as our bodies slowly fade away on earth and they put us in the ground, it will be sleeping that we're doing. That you too, you too will see his resurrected self by faith when you are resurrected yourself. Believe that the too hard to make yourself clean was his to do on the cross. Believe that the too late to turn your life to him can begin right now. And believe that the too good to be true Jesus has the ability to raise you from the dead. He has the last laugh over death as he sits right now with his father in glory. I'll close with one of my favorite last laugh poems, poems of faith from the Englishman John Donne. And this poem was found, ironically, after he died. (laughs) That makes me laugh. With some adaptations that were made by a modern songwriter and an adaptation that I made myself to the modern ear. Here it is. Death, be not proud, though the whole world fears you. Mighty and dreadful you might seem, but death, be not proud, for your pride has failed you. You will not kill me. Though you may dwell in pandemic and poison, though you're a slave to fate and to desperate men, but death, If your sleep be the gates of heaven, why are you confident? You will be no more. You will be no more. Death, be not proud, because even you, death, will die. There is never too hard, never too late, never too good to be true for Christ, who said, death, you will die. Saints, Christ is risen and believe (laughs) we are risen with him indeed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we celebrate the life that we have. And Father, we laugh at the face of death. You have nothing over us, death. This year was filled with so many statistics of death. But Father, we can smile and know That it has no hold over us who believe in Christ. That even death will die. And so, Father, we pray that you would continue to strengthen us by your resurrection power. That we might go out into the world declaring, Christ is risen in us indeed. That we are now made alive. And that the world, the dead world walking around us can see and hear, little lamb, you too can arise. Do your work through your church, through your spirit, through your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.